0: The confession you are about to hear is an actual tape recording.
1: All right, read the statement, please.
2: I I make this confession of my own free will because it is true. There has not been any force or violence used upon my person to induce me to make these statements. Without promise of immunity or reward or
1: gratuity, I confess. You understand, of course, that your statement will be made public through the radio program Confession. I do. And that your name for the purpose of this broadcast will be George S. Andrus. Yes, sir. For what comfort you may find in so doing, you'll now be permitted to tell your story. Do you understand all this? Yes, sir. I understand.
0: All
1: right, go ahead, George. I, I don't know what to say. Well, just talk about yourself. How old are you? I'm 15. But
2: everyone takes me for 18 or 20. You think I look like I'm 18?
1: I guess you do, son. Well. You, um, you were born in San Francisco, weren't you?
2: Yeah, on, on Washington Avenue. Mm -hmm. It was a big house, 12 rooms.
1: Do you have any brothers or sisters? No, sir, I don't. It's a pretty big house for just a boy and his mother and father, isn't it?
2: Oh, we had a housekeeper, too. Her name was Mrs. Houston. I remember last summer I was sitting in the living room reading some comic books. Some kids outside were tossing a football around.
3: George, why don't you go out and play football with the boys?
2: George? Oh, Mrs. Houston, I I don't feel like playing football.
3: Don't you want to learn to play, George?
2: Learn? If I wanted to, I could have made the school team easy. Coach even asked me. George, he said... There you go with
3: your lies again.
2: Well, he did.
3: It's almost frightening the way you go on. You're almost 15, George. Almost a man, and look at the size of you. You're bigger than your father.
2: Did you get a letter from them today? Yes.
3: Maybe next time you'll go along with them.
2: Oh, I could have gone. Dad even said to me, George, we want you along. This trip won't mean anything unless you're
3: with us. Stop lying, George. He said no such thing. He did. He did, too. For your own good, George, face the truth. You know it as well as I do. He didn't ask you? Did he, George? Tell me.
2: No, they didn't want me along.
4: That's better, George. Much better.
2: <laughs> I guess it'd been about five years since I'd been anywhere with him. Came in with your folks. Yes, sir. Oh, I don't blame them, I guess. My mother. She's a beautiful lady. Of course. And my dad. His name is Charles, but they call him Chuck. I've never had a nickname. Wish I had. Go on. Well, my, my folks got back from that trip all right, but I didn't see very much of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I knew one way to make them realize I was still around. Dad came home from his office one day. I was in the backyard knocking a croquet ball around.
5: George? Hi, Dad. George, uh, I, I want to talk to you. OK, Dad. George, did you take some money out of Mrs. Houston's bag?
2: Me? What would I do a thing like that for?
5: Two dollars and a gold pin, George. Did you take them? A gold pin?
2: What would I want with a lady's gold pin?
5: Did you take them, George? Answer me. No, sir. George, you're lying. If a fella's
2: own father
5: can't believe him. Mrs. Houston found the pin on top of your night table, and the money was in your drawer. Maybe she tried to frame me. Oh, stop it. Right on top of the night table. Almost as if you wanted us to find the pin. Now, you took them, didn't you? I I guess so. Why? What did you want with a lady's pin and
6: $2?
5: I don't know. I don't understand it. Have you ever asked me for money that I haven't given it to you? I, I don't know why I did it. It just doesn't make sense. Does... does Mom know about this? Of course. She's nearly frantic about it.
2: Maybe she wants to talk to me.
5: No. That's the last thing she wants. Dad, I won't do it again. I promise. I wish I could understand this. Is there anything you've ever wanted within reason that you haven't had? No, Dad. Well, then what is it? There's something wrong. Can you tell me what it is?
2: Maybe, Dad, if we could go for a ride or something like that, just the two of us, And talk about it.
5: Your mother and I have made other arrangements tonight, George. Oh. Here. Here's $5. Then there won't be any reason for you to go poking around Mrs. Houston's purse. Now, do you understand? I don't need it, Dad. Take it. I don't want any money. I said take it. All right, Dad. Maybe some other night we'll go for a long ride.
2: I don't know why, but it seemed the only time I was important around our house... was when I was in trouble of some kind or other. Mm -hmm. That fall, I got into a fight at school.
1: Well, uh, maybe I'll skip about the fight. No, go ahead. I I, um, want to particularly hear about that, George. Well, all right.
2: I had a jackknife in my pocket. While we were rolling around on the ground, it fell out. And what happened? I opened it and went after this kid. Cut his shoulder up some. They took me to juvenile court on account of that. My mother had to go with me. The judge said he'd let me off if if I promised to behave myself. Mm -hmm. Then he, uh, he talked to my mother alone for a while. That night, when my father came home from work, they went into the den. I knew they were gonna talk about me, so I went outside and hid in the shrubs under the window. I could hear everything they said.
5: It had to be Judge Chalmers. I don't know how I'll be able to look him in the eye after this.
4: He made me feel as though I'd failed the boy as a mother.
5: Nonsense. It's the fashion nowadays to blame everything on the parents.
4: He told me bluntly that he thought the child had been neglected.
5: The child? Six foot two, 170 pounds. He could pass for 19 or 20 without difficulty.
4: I wonder if his size hasn't blinded us to the fact that he still is a child.
5: Oh, stop being clinical, please. He'll grow out of it.
4: I don't know. Maybe I have been inadequate.
5: Stop that, Elizabeth.
4: Judge Chalmers made a recommendation.
5: Hmm. What was it?
4: That we put him through the child guidance clinic.
5: I don't think much of that. It'll be known all around town in a week.
4: What are we going to do?
5: Well, what we need more than anything is a couple of weeks away from here. We'll go away for a while. Charles. While we're gone, we can decide what to do about him.
4: I wonder if we're not just looking for excuses to run away from George.
5: What then, George? Well,
2: uh, that's that's when I knew I was just spoiling things for them by being around. The night before they left, while I was lying in bed, I, I kept thinking of different things I might do to make my folks proud of me. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I was just lying there, thinking. I heard my mother coming up the stairs. Mom.
4: What is it, George?
2: Can you come in for a minute, Mom?
4: Why aren't you asleep, George?
2: It's after midnight. I was just thinking how much I'd like to go with you and Dad on that trip tomorrow. You
4: know that's impossible, George. I could get off from school for a couple of weeks. I'm sorry, George.
2: I never get to go anywhere.
4: George, are you crying? No, Mom. I should hope not. Big boy like you. You'll be 15 soon. You're a man now. Men don't cry. I'm not crying. I
2: had something stuck in my throat. It's better now.
4: All right. And don't do anything stupid while we're gone. Next time you get into trouble, they'll lock you up.
2: The next morning they went away I watched them from my window. My mother wore a gray suit that she hadn't. Made her look awfully young and pretty. Mm-hmm. My dad's handsome, too. I can never figure out how I got to be so big and ugly and clumsy. All right, go on. Oh, well, well, shall I tell you about how I ran away? Sure. I'd like to hear that. After they left, I made up my mind. There was no use hanging around anymore. So I didn't go to school that day. I, uh, I just pretended I did. I see. Then about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I sneaked into Mrs. Houston's room. She always kept the housekeeping money in the top drawer of her dresser. I, I didn't know she'd come into the room. She was watching me.
3: George Andris. Huh? What are you doing? I, I was
2: looking for something.
3: Get away from there. Here it is. Put that money down. I need it. You're a thief, that's what you are. Give me that money. I need this money, and I'm taking it. That's my money. I'm responsible for it. I don't care whose it is. I'm going to call the police, George, unless you give me that money. Keep away from me, or I'll... I'll, I mean it. You're a disgrace to a fine mother and father.
2: I hate you as much as you hate me. George, there's over $100 there. I wish there was more. I'd get farther from this place.
4: I'm calling the police, George. I mean it.
2: Go ahead. Call them. Start calling them right
3: now. Operator, give me the police.
2: Go ahead. Tell them all about it.
0: You are listening to Confession. Before continuing with a documented record of the subject referred to as George S. Andrus, the National Broadcasting Company is honored to present Mr. Richard A. McGee, Director of Corrections, Department of Corrections, State of California. Mr. McGee.
6: Perhaps the most difficult experience in any person's lifetime is one which all of us inevitably go through, that of crossing over from childhood into adulthood. Psychologists remind us that this transition is not as simple as it seems. The adolescent personality is often a complex jumble of confused and unharnessed emotions. A child is fighting desperately to attain the advantages of adulthood before he's ready for them. Often inside the full-grown body of the teenage boy, there's still the emotional framework of a dependent child. This is the age, more than any other, when he needs the security and guidance of family love. Adolescence is truly the, the most dangerous age in our lives. Thank
0: you, Mr. McGee. Now to continue with confession. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices Message and data rates may apply Bank of America NA, member FDIC All right,
1: let's continue, George
2: I uh, I met Frank in the hotel in Los Angeles Frank? Frank who?
1: (laughs) Funny, I I never did find out what his second name was Well, let's um, go back to where you took the money from Mrs. Houston Oh, yes, sir
2: I took that money Mm -hmm. I was a crook now I was going away and I'd never come back Well, anyways, not till I was a big shot, or something like that. I knew that the police might be looking for me, so I got out of town and hitchhiked a ride. Hitchhiked where? Well, these these people drove me right to Los Angeles. I rented a room in a hotel on Spring Street. Wasn't much of a place, but it made me feel pretty good to sign that book. Oh, oh, yeah, I I changed my name. Called myself uh, Chuck Anderson pretty lonesome in a hotel when you don't know anybody. I was pretty glad when a guy sat down near me in the lobby and started talking to me.
1: Hi. Hello. I uh, know this sounds corny, but ain't I seen you someplace before? Maybe in New York or
2: Chicago. Maybe Minneapolis. Hey, you've been around, haven't you? Japan, China, Korea. I just got back from Korea. Did a hitch there. Yeah? Since I didn't see you there,
1: not by a long shot. Pretty rough going. All I got out of it was an oak leaf and two clusters. No kidding. A real live hero, huh? You, uh, look kind of young for all that. Yeah? How old do you think I am? Oh, 19.
2: 20 tops. Just turned 19. Enlisted when I was 16. Lied about how old I was.
1: You know, they told me about guys like you and I didn't believe them. What's your name? Charles Anderson. My nickname's Chuck. Chuck Anderson. How long are you staying here, Chuck?
6: Oh,
1: hard to say. You have a room here, too? Me? Nah. I just use a lobby for free office space. (laughs) Keeps my expenses down. Well, uh, nice talking to you. Think I'll hit the hay. Hey, wait a minute. Nine o'clock, and you're hitting the sack? What kind of soldiers are they tending out these days? Nine o'clock, and he tells me, bed. (laughs) Kind of tired. You know how it is. Anyways, don't seem to be much doing around town. You, uh, got a few bucks? I'll find you something to do, all right? Yeah? What? You name it. You want to gamble? Tired of that. Had two days of it at Las Vegas. How about women? You're tired of that, too? You say that, and you're no soldier, kid. Oh, well, that's more my line. Hey, I know a spot on Art Broadway. All you gotta do is just you snap your fingers, and they come running. 10 cents a dance, drink 35 cents. Not bad. Not bad at all. Sounds pretty good, all right. Come on. How about it, soldier? Uh, I don't know. Legs bothered me pretty bad today. Shrapnel wound. What uh, room are you in, general? 7:03.: Maybe I'll drop around. Uh, tomorrow. you be around?:
2: Sure.: OK.
1: I'll knock on your door first. You might be having yourself some company, huh?
2: I, uh, I went up to my room, but I couldn't fall asleep. Um, I kept thinking about my mother and father. I guess I cried some. I wished the door would open and they'd come into that stinking room and take me home. Of course. Frank, he called on me about 10 o'clock the next morning. I didn't like him much. I could tell he was a crook. But he made me feel, well, grown up and wise about everything. Mm -hmm. He had no money, so, so I bought him lunch and supper. That night, he took me to the dance hall over on over North Broadway.
1: Uh, how do you like it, Chuck? Not bad, huh? Not bad at all. You wait till Darlene comes around. She'll send your eyeballs rolling. She'll have to be pretty good. I've been around, you know. <laughs> been around plenty. Yeah, she's a little old. She says she's 27, but you can add another 10 to that. Oh, I like a movie. You do? Yeah. Hey, here comes Darlene now. Darlene! Hello, Frankie. You want the money again? My friend here handles that department. Chuck, meet Darlene. Hiya, Chuck. I'm glad to know you. How
3: about a dance, handsome? Who me? What's the matter? You got telephone poles for legs or something?
1: Shrapnel wound over in Korea. Dancing's out for a while. Yeah, I'll see, Alice over there by the railway. Hey, give me a couple of them tickets, Chuck. Oh, you bet. Here. Give you and Darlene a chance to get better acquainted.
3: You want me to sit down? Sure. I was just gonna ask you. Well, how about it? About what? Aren't you going to give me one of those dance tickets? Uh, Sure, sure. Here, take a couple. House rules. Every dance you sit out with a customer, you got to get a ticket. I know.
2: It's like that everywhere.
3: Listen, I, what'd you say your name was?
2: Chuck, Chuck Anderson.
3: How old are you, Chuck?
2: 19, going on 21.
3: Who are you kidding? That's what I said, 19 going on 20. You can fool a man, Chuck, not a woman. How old are you? I told you, 19. OK, have it your own way. What'd you do, run away from home? Who do you think you're
2: talking to, kid? Listen, I got no leaf in two clusters over in Korea. Yeah, and shrapnel in your legs.
3: Where'd you meet up with Frank?
2: Him? I've known him a long time.
3: Then why do you want that chiseler hanging around you for? Oh, just for laughs. you will clippier than run out. He's worse than I am. You better give me another one of them tickets. Oh,
2: sure, I forgot.
3: Where are you from, Chuck? Pittsburgh. Go home to Pittsburgh.
2: Listen, who do you think you are, my mother or something? I can look after myself.
3: All right. I try to do my good deed for the day.
1: Uh, Did you stay there, George?
2: Oh, Gosh, I don't remember everything that happened that night. I Drank some wine and some other stuff. Then Frank took his girl, Alice, and we went out to eat. But darling, she wouldn't come with us. What did you do? Oh, well, we had a lot of fun. We rode around in a cab, going to different places to have drinks. I see. I got to feeling pretty sick, but I, I didn't let on. I don't even remember getting into bed. I got up late that afternoon. I went out to get something to eat. When I came to pay the cashier, I saw I only had a couple of dollars left. I didn't see Frank that day or the next. I didn't have any money left. I was awful hungry. So about 11 o'clock that night, I went looking for Frank. I knew I'd find him around some of the bars on the Main Street. I bumped into him near 4th and Main.
1: Hi, Frank. Well, if it isn't a playboy himself. I thought, Frank, maybe you could uh, lend me a couple of dollars. Me? I'm flat than a pancake. thought you had plenty of money. I guess I spent it all the other night. I'm hungry. I haven't eaten all day. How about a job? You try to get a job? I can't. Why not? Nothing. Ah. Oh. Cops looking for you? Yeah. Well... Wait a minute. What? The cops really looking for you? I said so, didn't I? You said a lot of things. Where you going? I don't know. You tried panhandling? Panhandling? Begging, asking people for handouts—you know, for a kid that's been around, you're pretty dumb. I—I well, I wouldn't do a thing like that. Are oh, you gonna eat them? I don't know. Wait a minute. What do the cops want you for? What's the difference? Just uh, first time you find yourself in a spot like this. Well, yes. A lot of that stuff you told me, uh, was Malaki, wasn't it? I guess so. Come on. I'll get you some neat. Turn here. What do we want to go up this alley for? Drunks. Sometimes they got a few bucks on them. I don't get it. Some of these winos. When they had enough, they just drop wherever they are. Keep your eyes open. Well, I... I don't think I want to do anything like that. What a guy. You're still hungry, aren't you? Mm-hmm. All right, then, shut up and keep your eyes open. Yes, you, um, you went up this alley. Well, <clears throat> well. In a, in a
2: while, we found this poor old guy lying on the pavement. I thought he was
1: dead, but, uh, Frank laughed at me. <laughs> He's just out, cold in an icebox.
2: Maybe we'd better not. Yeah.
1: <sighs> Nothing in his pocket.
2: Let's get away from here, Frank. Yeah.
1: Hey, here's something. Oh, brother, what a haul. You, you found something? 20 cents. 20 stinking cents. I don't feel so good. Let, let's get away from here. 20 stinking cents. <laughs> then what happened? Well, uh, Frank wanted
2: to look for some more of those guys. But I I said I wouldn't go with him. I see. We, we walked on the Figueroa. Frank, he, he bummed 40 cents for some of the people we met. Then we went into a restaurant and had some coffee and donuts. Mm-hmm. I had three donuts. And then and Frank said he knew another way to get some money. He told me not to say anything, just just to do everything he did. What was that? Well, we, we went outside and got into a taxi cab. He gave the driver an address way out in Huntington Park. We rode along for quite a while. And Frank showed me a knife he'd taken out of his pocket. It, it was like a, a dagger. I, I was scared. We came to an open stretch.
1: Driver? Yes, sir? Hey, uh, will you stop here for a minute? My friend's feeling kind of sick. Uh, he wants to get out for a minute. I'll have you home in five minutes. I said stop here. What is this, a heist? Stop the car.
2: Frank, uh, I'm scared.
1: Shut up. Or right, get out of the car. Hand over your money. Why are you guys always picking on cab drivers? We're just working. Well, just clean your pockets out. Here. Three bucks. Is that all you got? That's all. just got on duty when you guys came up. Why, you... I suppose I got to stand her now and wait for a lift back to town? Yeah, that's the way it goes, Buster. Must be some other way of making a living.
2: Well, uh, Frank was mad at me all the way back to Los Angeles. said I was a yellow punk. And I didn't deserve to get any of the money.
6: Did you get any of it?
2: He gave me a dollar. <laughs> when we got back to the city, we ditched the car. And we separated. And? Um? Oh, I, I walked the streets for about an hour. I was thinking about everything that had happened in the last three days. Three days. <laughs> it was. It was more like three centuries. Of course. I remember wishing that. Everything that had happened to me had just been a dream. I wanted to wake up and find myself home again. I wanted my mother. I don't know how it happened, but I found myself in front of that dance hall on North Broadway. I went inside. Darlene, uh, you know, the girl I'd met there, Frank. She was sitting alone at the table.
3: Uh, Hello. Oh, hi there, handsome. Buy me a drink?
2: You remember me?
3: Well, sure. I remember all of you. Sit down.
2: I talked to the other night. I I was with Frank.
3: Oh, you were the kid who was living it up. I remember now. What's the matter, kid? You've been crying. You've been crying.
2: <laughs> I I robbed a guy tonight.
3: How old are you? What's your real name?
2: George Andrus. I'm 15.
3: Today's my birthday. You run away from home? Yes. You better go back. can't now.
2: I mean, what I did tonight.
3: Mm, that's right. You got a lot of nerve, George? I don't know. Walk up to the nearest cop and tell him. It's the best thing you can do.
2: I thought that's what she wanted, I'd do it. Your mother? Yes.
3: That's exactly what she'd want you to do. <laughs> oh, that's it, kid. You can still cry. You're all right. Will you... Will
2: you come with me?
3: Sure, kid. Sure I will. Thanks. I'll tell you what. Maybe you'll buy me a drink first. Just for luck.
0: You have just heard an actual confession. This case history of the subject referred to as George S. Andrus is a matter of documented record. To protect the legal rights of the subject, names and places were changed or deleted. Technical advice for confession comes from the Office of the Director of Corrections, Department of Corrections, State of California. In a moment, you'll again hear George S. Andrus.
1: The case of George S. Andrus is now under the jurisdiction of the juvenile authorities. His hearing before the juvenile court is still pending. The probation officer of the juvenile court has made the following recommendations. that the subject be made a ward of the juvenile court, that he be placed on probation until he's 21 years of age, where he may receive the supervision and guidance of an understanding probation officer, and that he be returned to the home of his parents. In view of the fact that the parents have expressed the desire to cooperate to the fullest with the probation officer, there is every indication that the presiding judge will accept these recommendations.
2: Well, I can't really think of anything else. I talked to my mom and dad a few times. I thought they were going to be mad at me, but they weren't. They said they were glad that I turned myself into the police. My dad said it took a lot of courage to do that. I don't know about that. I told my mom I was sorry, and it was all my fault. I don't know why, but when I said that, she just cried and cried. Well, that's all.